Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. I totally get that this one's going to be difficult to ask questions when you have them. The reason this is going to be hard is because you're going to have to think backwards. Um, okay. We care quite a bit about type 1 error. That's the, alpha, the probability of a false positive, right? Falsely rejecting, or sorry, uh, uh, yeah, false, false positive. Falsely rejecting the null. We, in fact, we set it at 0.05. We set alpha. Uh, if you've used software at all, I know a couple of you used SPSS or other software to do your assignments. The software exactly gives us exact p-values. It tells us what the p-value is. So that's telling you again, I think, that there's, a, there's something going on there. Um, why is type 1 error more important than type 2 error? Remember, type 2 error is failing to reject a false null. That's not finding something that's actually there. Well, historically, Fisher, the guy who was one of the sort of fathers of, of, of modern inferential statistics, he sort of thought of the null hypothesis being a real thing. <coughs> he thought that it, it's basically a straw man hypothesis we set up, because we know we're trying to reject it. He thought of it being a real thing. Um, so that has something to do with it. It also is the case that that's what his students were working on, was the 0.05 level of, of, uh, of significance. So we used it, as I talked about the other day. All our methods are set up that way, which is kind of circular. Why do we do it that way? Because if you do it that way. It is, however, easy to set up a situation where nothing happens. To imagine either nothing happened or something happened. So the null hypothesis idea and then rejecting it or not is an easy thing to get through your head. It's an easy thing to set up to understand intuitively. I think that uh, plays a role here, too. <coughs> For HA, we actually have to know how big the effect is, too. So for HO, we only have to know that nothing happened. Right? That's all we have to know. For HA, the problem here is that we have to know not just that there's an effect, but how big the effect is. Does that make sense? Right? So if you say there's no difference between two groups, that's fine. If I tell you there's a difference, the question you have to ask me is, how much? And then I have to know how much. And how am I going to know how much? I've never said how much that many times in that short period of time. Hmm. So do you see the sort of issue here why HO is a little easier to deal with? Right? I have to make very few assumptions if I say nothing happened. If I say something happened, I have to say what? For the best of all possible worlds, which this is not, we would minimize alpha and beta, so we'd make as few errors as possible, and therefore we'd have the most power that we could. Power, remember, is the probability of rejecting a false null hypothesis. Power is the probability of rejecting HO given HA is true. That's just notation. This line here means given. So probability of rejecting the null given V 
the alternative hypothesis is true. Now, remember, you can't know that the alternative hypothesis is true. And if you knew it was true, you wouldn't have to do the experiment in the first place, now would you? So you can see we're going to have to make a lot of logical leaps today. Lots of logical leaps. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, <laughs> lots of logical loops. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just a lot of L's. It's going to be tough. Yeah, it's a Just stroking out over here. <laughs> <laughs> I smell for a toast. Dr. Penfield, I smell for a toast. You may have seen a picture like this before. Uh, this is, in fact, from the book, though it is from an edition of the book a couple of years ago, so this may be not the same picture they have now. But you may have seen a picture like this before in 21-26. I'm not sure. So they call it H1. As I say, HA, H1, same thing, just different. It's just like calling somebody it's the same name but different spelling or something. I don't know. I got nothing. I thought I had a thing there. I really had nothing. Here's the distribution for HO. Okay? Got a mean of mu, sub zero. Okay? And then beside it, we have a hypothetical distribution for H1 or HA. Okay? Now, pretend the H1 distribution isn't there. Okay? See if you can imagine, imagine a world where there is no H1 distribution and one man has the courage to love. So, <laughs> Look at that. Now look. We set the rejection. Remember the rejection regions? Remember Keogh used to make you draw pictures? Did he make you draw pictures? Mostly of cod. It's a little Newfoundland joke there. Um, but the pictures are actually kind of a sensible thing to do because remember, if it was in this alpha region, 0.05 likelihood. Hair looks really stupid in the back there. Um, I hate that. That's the worst part of teaching with PowerPoint slides or keynote slides. You see when your hair is sticking up like an idiot. Um, <laughs> like, the right kind of angle, maybe I won't see it. <laughs> like, 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 uh, the, like, like, like the Matrix. Whoa, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> so look, there's the alpha level, right? If we get something in here, we say, well, it's very unlikely. We've talked about that. Now, but pretending HO is not true. Now let's put H1 or HA on top of that and pretend that it's right here, which is something we never know. This is why this, this, is, why this is a harder class today. It's because um, you've got to imagine things you can't know. So, <laughs> you'll, you'll pass the class, John. No doubt about that. So here... So we'll go up from the alpha up here. Now, remember, given HA is true, but you don't reject HO, that's beta. So that's all this part in here. And this is the power. This is the probability of rejecting a false null. If the null is false, this one's true. Oh, yeah, please. 
Uh, what's beta again? Sorry? Beta is the, is, is the probability of type 2 error. It's the probability of failing to project a false null hypothesis. Okay. That's the probability of, you know what? Why don't I draw this up here? We got. Why do you think? I hate it. Because there's lots of negatives. Oh, yeah. Failing to reject false. Failing to reject it's like, why can't you what? Minimize some words down. Because if you say it a different way, it means something different. That's why. Okay. If you do not reject HO and HO is true, this is a good thing. It's a correct decision. If you reject HO, that should say HO. If you reject HO, then HO is true. In other words, a false positive, you've made a type 1 error. The probability of a type 1 error is alpha. If you do not reject HO, but HA is true, you've made what's called a type 2 error. Error, nice spelling. And the probability of that is beta. If you, if HA is true and you reject HO, you've made correct decision, and that's 1 minus beta, and that is also called power. So see, that helps, you can refer to that, right? Let's fix my little thing that I, yeah, I like So you can keep that there for reference for the day. So remember, HO is true. That means this distribution is the true thing. Okay. If we reject, even though this is true, we made a mistake. If we reject, and this is true, it's greater than where this is, we've made the correct decision. That's called our statistical power. Okay. Other questions? If you get this, go ahead. So the shaded area is alpha, right? The shaded area here, yes. And that's where you reject? You reject HO even though HO is true. Right? Make sense? Because you're rejecting HO, and this is saying this is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then H1 is just saying if. This is if this is true. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's it. I'll explain it. So this H1 or HA, this is it. If this is true, that's the right-hand column on our chart on the, on the board there. If this is true, right, we still have that same level, that same number where we reject, except now this is true. So it's this thing all to the right of this dashed line. Oh, oh I didn't miss that dashed line. Okay, you missed that dashed line. See, that's the. There you go. For beta? Yeah. Okay. It just goes up from here, see? 
For some reason, I thought maybe it was just in between the two distributions. No, 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 no. No, okay, no. that makes more sense. Okay. <clears throat> I take me an hour to digest. Okay. Other questions? Do you see this? Is this if you get if you follow this sort of this thing kind of uh, intuitively, you'd be okay. So think about this. Think about this. If HO is true, we can make one of two decisions. We can reject it or not reject it. If we don't reject it, that's all this here. That's good. We don't find anything, but there's nothing to find. Sometimes, though, we make a mistake. We get greater than this value here. It's unlikely, but it happens. That's a mistake. We reject HO in this case, but HO is true. Now, it could be the case that, in fact, HA is true. We don't know. If we knew already, we don't have to do the experiment. So it could be the case that HA is true. But... Didn't you do the experiment to find out? You, you know, we haven't done the experiment yet. That's the point. So we're just coming up with like, hypotheses. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So much okay, now, okay, good, good. That helps. Right, so... And then we could reject... If H and H1 might be true, this is, this is that here, to the right of this shaded line here. Or we, maybe we don't, then we make a mistake. Another mistake called a beta. That's a type 2 error. Right now it's getting cold. I turned it up. I don't know what you're talking about. It feels like tropical. <laughs> I'm holding on to this guy's. Look at, look at Dave, he's got a big coat on, he's got a hat on. He's freezing over there. No, I get it, man. You're probably the only sensible person in the room. <laughs> I get it. Okay, so move this over here. I think what we just did is just label the different parts, right? Yes. That's what we did. Just label okay, the different parts we go. based on this, this chart. I am on the page now. Okay. So how would we increase power? Accelerate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Well, what if we made alpha bigger? Because all we want to do, if I want to increase power, I want to take this part and just move it over, make it bigger. Well, we can just pull this over here. What if we put alpha here? That's going to make this part bigger. We could do that. We could increase. Now, let's, let's just imagine we can do things like this. We could increase alpha, but can we typically? No. Everybody goes, no, not point up beard and 0.05. Here's something you worse than Hitler. <laughs> now, if I take, what if, let's pretend we're magic. Why not? Let's take this distribution, just put it over here. Gee, now it's easy to find significance. It's all the way over here. Look at the difference. Again, we can't do that. If you can do that, people light up on Sundays and worship you. <laughs> but if you, maybe you can. Okay, we can't practically do that, though, can we? So one we can't do because it's going to piss people off. Go, you can't change the alpha level. Well, if you made it too big, too, wouldn't it just always? You would always. You would keep, and you would, yeah, the other problem would be 
you'd make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, if I put alpha all the way over here, I'm going to catch everything. I'm also going to always have mistakes. You know, so, exactly. But you could do something, something like practical. Um, I think I talked about this a couple of classes ago. In Newfoundland, we used to get those boiled water orders. They're using an alpha level of 0.15. But I'd rather have them make a lot of type 1 errors and make me, boil, make me buy out my water now and then than, you know, have diarrhea to death. I'll, 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 take, I'll take that chance of, of having the, the little inconvenience of a couple times a year to boil our water rather than pooping myself to death <laughs> on the off chance, right? So that's a good thing. This we can't practically do. We can't make, whoops, I went the wrong way. We can't make mu1 any bigger. We could, what if we made these tighter? We decrease sigma. We just tighten them up. Let's spread out. Now, sigma, you're saying, Dave, you can't do that. Sigma is a population parameter. That's like moving the mu. Hmm. It would be hard to do. But remember, we aren't dealing with those population. Are, do we care about population distributions and variables? Yeah. But what are we using when we do these things? We're using sampling distributions. We're using sampling distribution. There's less overlap if we could do it. And sigma squared sub x bar, in other words, the variance of the sampling distribution of the mean from the central limit down? I know. I'm just seeing if somebody can remember. <laughs> What's this? Let's say the central limit theorem. Sigma squared sub x bar equals what? Yeah, look it up if you have to, for Christ's sakes. It's <laughs> in your book. First person gets nothing. <laughs> Except pride. A lot of pride. Which some of you have apparently have none because they're blue. Started looking. So I've got pride. Oh, look. What is it? Central limit theorem says the very the the the, 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 the sampling distribution of mean will have a, a, a mean of what? Mu sub x bar equals mu and a variance of So it's it's a function of n. So just look. This thing never changes. Sigma squared can't change. It's a population parameter. It can't change, man, and it won't change for you. It's a rebel. Yeah, it's a rebel. No, it's not a rebel. It's uh it's very conservative. It won't change. Not even with the times, man. So it doesn't change. It's the same value. What happens if you make this thing on the bottom bigger, but this thing stays the same? This thing gets smaller. Well, like I wrote up the other day, and I think Madeline almost threw up in her mouth. (laughs) 
times n approaches infinity, in other words, the bigger n gets, the smaller that quantity gets. The limit of sigma squared over n as n approaches infinity equals zero. The bigger this thing gets, the bigger the n gets, the smaller the quantity gets. That's all that says, except it's in way less words. <laughs> so we actually can play with the variance of the sampling distributions. Huzzah! Excelsior! <laughs> He's variance man. So we actually can do this, and this is why you get more power with more subjects. Now let's, okay, that's all sort of theoretical reason. Just think about this intuitively. If I'm going to find out if something exists, if I measure everything, I'll find it, won't I? And the closer I get to measuring everything, the more likely I am to find the thing that's there, if it's there. Right? So it's the same as increasing n. I'm getting closer to measuring everything. At some point, though, it becomes silly. It, there's you know, diminishing returns. Probably have to measure everything. So all this is going to do is make less overlap between those distributions because we're increasing n, because that sigma squared, the variance, is actually a function of n, the number of observations. This is why if we have more observations, we are more likely to find differences if they're there. Therefore, we have more statistical power. Okay. What's effect size? Just the difference between mu one and mu zero, or mu a, mu, mu sub a, and mu sub zero, whatever we call it. The thing is, if we have different colored markers today, don't think I do anyway. I'm not going to worry about it. Oh yeah, I can do it. With Okay, so there's the there's there's mu zero and mu one. Okay, why do I have it going down like that? Because I'm going to have less overlap in the second one. Could be a lot easier to find the difference here, this bottom one, because it's got hardly any overlap than it is here, right? So we have to find, even though the the distance is the same, so we have to find a way to standardize it. We have to standardize that difference. So what we're going to do is we're going to divide by sigma. We're going to divide by the variance, that's all. That just says, OK, we'll take the, the, how, how much overlap there actually is already into account when we do this. So we're going to get mu1 minus mu0 over sigma. That's what we're going to call that d, d for difference. Okay. So we got a name for this now, this D thing. Okay, then you're going to ask yourself, how am I going to know any of these values? And the answer is you don't. 
can't know. You can only, you'll only use zero. You can usually figure out what that's going to be because you just did a calculation. Yeah, well, is this any different than, yeah, okay, fine. So that would be my, how are you going to get mu1? You can't. How are you going to get sigma? You can't. You can't know them. You can't know population parameters. They're like that. Those elusive bastards. Now let's get warm again. So warm front coming in now in the class. I have this feeling it's Brandon Champ up in his office controlling it just for fun. Like we're all his little puppets. It's an experiment of some sort, some sort of weird biological thing. Or it could be those people with those, those people in the innovation center because they're living in the future. It might be them. There's flying cars in there. Could be your dad. Maybe he works in the innovation center. Okay. Can I do that? He would? Yeah, okay. After this, we'll do an only a few calls. Um, so how do we know this? I don't know that we can. We could guess by looking at prior research. That's the biggest thing we can do. You're going to look at old stuff and say, okay, what did people find as a difference? What did people find as a difference? And what did they, and what kind of variances did they get? That's really all we could do. The other way we could look at this, though, instead of saying we actually want to look at this and calculate it, we could just ask ourselves a question. How big is big enough? How big a difference is actually interesting? Because, look, you will find a difference between variables in two groups almost always if you have enough observations. If I have enough observations, I'll find that two groups are different on almost anything. But is it, if I could find that, we'll make something up. Let's say that, I don't know. Okay, is anybody here from uh, Thessalon? Okay, so we'll pick on Thessalon. So, <laughs> because I'm not going to offend anyone. So, we're going to say that People from Thessalon are the smartest people from Sault Ste. Marie. Okay, so no one's upset by that. And we have no vested hatred of Thessalon. I've only ever driven by it when it says, downtown Thessalon, this way. The one street. Yeah, it's probably one street, but you know, whatever. I'm sure they're fine people, just a little slow. So, if we measure a couple of thousand people from Thessalon, in other words, all of them, uh, a couple of thousand people from Sault Ste. Marie, and we found, in fact, that the average IQ from Sault Ste. Marie was 100.3, and the average IQ from Thessalon was 100.1. Does it matter? No. Is it real? Yeah, sure, there's a difference. But who gives a shit? It, it means nothing. Right? So you'll find the difference. Oh, significant people in Thessalon are stupid. Nah, 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 nah. But does it matter? Practically, no. And the people from Thessalon, you know, they say that, but then they furrow their brow in a vain attempt to understand it. <laughs> so again, I don't know why I, I just picked somewhere nearby. And I didn't want to do the whole Sudbury, Sault Ste. Marie thing, or because that's stupid. Never understood it. Or the Sioux, Michigan, Sioux, Ontario thing. Though most of their teeth are bad because of all the fudge. <laughs> you know northern Michigan just full of fudge shops? Weird. Yeah, it's like 
then it stops as soon as you cross the road. I know, but it's like the, the, the roads are paved with fudge. <laughs> I don't understand it. It's a magical land. It's a magical land. The roads are paved with fudge and people to act like this. So, but are those differences interesting? No. So you want to ask yourself, how big a difference is actually going to be interesting? Because you're almost always going to find something. But does it matter? Does it matter? So uh, Cohen... And not the Cohen brothers, different Cohen. Uh, basically standardized this and talked about a small effect, a medium effect, and a large effect. A small effect has a D of 0.2. The amount of overlap in a small effect is 85% between the, the null hypothesis distribution and the alternative hypothesis distribution. That's a lot of overlap. Medium-sized effect is still two-thirds of the things overlap. And a large effect, that's a 0.8D, has 53% overlap. We're still more than half. Now, why would you ever be interested in a small effect? What if it's a drug? Right, what if it's a drug that's going to treat AIDS? Smallest damn effect imaginable if it gives somebody a little more life or a little more... Yeah, good. Right? On the other hand, a large effect might only be interesting if it's something that's going to, say, blow the lid off some theory. It's kind of like the way you look at, you look at uh, alpha levels. So maybe we have something we say it's a large effect, and, or we're only interested in a large effect because this experiment would make everything that's been done invalid. We better be damn sure it's a real effect. Typically, what do you choose? Medium. Because most things aren't that crucial one way or the other. Okay, questions so far. Does this make sense? So we're using now basically how much overlap there is to get a value for D. So we don't have to calculate D. We just say how much overlap do we care about. Well, now what? Well, we combine this information, the idea of how much overlap there is, with sample size. And we get something called the delta statistic, which looks like the almost finished eight statistic, but it's a delta. Okay? It's the delta statistic. Um, don't get too worked up about me saying I want you to calculate one of these. I could, but I don't think I've ever asked anybody to calculate one. Oh, I've asked my honors thesis students to calculate them when they're doing their experiments so they can find out how many subjects they need. But, I mean, on a test in this class, I wouldn't do that for this Something people normally do. Then again, for the test, you have all your books and your notes and all that, so I guess it could. All I'm saying is, know everything. So, delta, what does this mean? Delta equals D... Okay, times how it's a function of n. In other words, how does n, yeah, I got it right here. How does n affect the given test? Okay, now for a t-test then, think about a t-test. You've got all our friend, the t-test. Hello, t-test, my old friend. <laughs> Pretend. That's how it affects it. So you just take a look at the formula for whatever statistic you're using, 
and you say, well, what, what, what do they do with the n? Oh, there's a square root n. I guess it's square root n. But honestly, that's all you do. So for so for an F test, so and we're going to do this for a t test. Squared n. It's the sound of significance. <laughs> The whole time I've been trying to think what you said. Sad, really. The sound of what? It's the sound of statistics? No, it's not good. So what do we do? This is actually, I know this seems really weird, but it's actually not that bad. Let me show you how this works. If you know D and you don't actually know D, you're saying, I will take a D of whatever. They used to say medium. Right? It's usually what you say anyway, right? Do you want a large or medium or small? I'll take a medium. Right? Especially if you're at the movies, because if you get a medium coke, the large coke is $14. So we say D is 0.5, because that's what we almost always use. Right? And I, when my honor students, when they're doing their calculate their power calculations for their honors thesis, I usually say uh, 0.5 is probably what we're going to use because none of this is none of this is going to cure cancer or change everything. So let's go with 0.5, shall we? Like I say here we would usually pick 0.5. So we want a power, and let's say we want. Now this is weird. You say, what, what do you mean? Well, we pick the alpha level. Let's pick our beta. We want a power of 0.8. In other words, we want to eat. If there's something there, we want an 80 percent chance of finding it. Okay, sure. And that's a very common number you'd pick. You'd pick something like an 80% chance, 0.8. So I want a power of 0.8. Okay. And then there's an appendix in your book called power. Um, and it's really just another table you're going to use. That's all this is. So for this, D is 0.5, 1 minus beta is 0.8, alpha is 0.05 because we're not going to change that. We wouldn't want to mess with alpha. And then we look it up in this really, really, really light look version of the table that I can hardly see. That's great. So what you have here are powers on this side here. And here you have D up here. And unfortunately, see this is actually quite cool because now we can zoom in on it, but then we, yeah, <laughs> doesn't help. This is a horrible projector. Oh, well, there's very little we can do about that. We don't have the power to do it, that's right. What this is going to do is this is going to give us a value for delta. Okay? That's all this does. This, this table gives us a value for delta. So you have along the top the size of the effect, and you have the alpha level. Oh, sorry, you just have the alpha level on the top. 
And in this case, this would actually give us a, a value of 2.8 in the table, okay? So what do we do? Sorry about that. That's, it's this thing's fault. J'accuse. Okay. <laughs> so where the hell, how, what, where'd that come from? This is crazy talk. What do you mean n equals delta over d squared? Well, do you remember what was, remember uh, delta just equal uh, d times how n affects it, right? So delta, where are we here? Equals d times the square root of n. We're trying to isolate n. We want to know how many people we need. Oh, we got a square root of that. We got to square everything. Oh, so we just go delta squared equals d squared times n. N equals. I always have trouble doing those damn deltas. Whatever. <laughs> I just magically. I, I squared something, and, and then I then I moved something over. I mean, it's stuff that you had to do a long time ago. Okay, it's nothing magical. And if you think it's magical, fine. Then, <laughs> now you know it. So all I did is I looked the number up in a table, and I already knew what my alpha level was, and I knew what my power was going to be. And it, I looked in this table and went, oh, so the number delta is 2.8. I then divided 2.8 by 0.5, and I squared it and got a number. In other words, we need 31 people. Well, 32, I guess, because we're going 31.36. <coughs> That's all it is. It's just simple. I shouldn't even say math. That's arithmetic, man. That's doing some pluses and takeaways. That's, that's not hard. The hardest part of that was going, i got to read a table. And you go, okay, uh, I know all these things. I just have to read a number from a table. It's not that bad. Well, let's increase the power because we set our power at 0.8. You have to think, that's not enough for me. I want more power. I'm a power-hungry person. Let's make the power 0.99. Needing 0.01 for the losers. We're taking most of the power. The delta value from the table now goes from 2. up to 4.2. <laughs> 420. So it goes up to 4.2. So throw it back into the formula. To go up from 0.8 to 0.99, we went from 32 people to 71 people. So we've increased our power by 25%, right? Yes. Because, well, almost 25%. Because we've gone up almost a quarter. We've gone up 19 points from 80. Think it was worth it? We had to get twice as many people. Doesn't seem to be worth it, does it? There's diminishing returns here. There's diminishing returns here. So, in fact, we wouldn't do this. We, we, we would normally not use this many subjects because 
0.80% chance. If you don't find it now, do the experiment again, you'll find it next time. Right? And frankly, you just have to collect twice as much subjects, this and do it again. And chances are you're going to get it the first time anyway. So you're not, why get twice as many subjects the first time? It doesn't, the, the returns aren't worth it. Students always tell me when they start their honors thesis and they're, they're doing their proposal and they say to me, I want to get 60 people in each group. And I say, is there a reason for that? Well, no, I just want to make sure I find something. Then that's what I tell them, first of all, almost all honors thesis experiments don't work. Uh, they don't tend to. Some do, but they don't all tend to, very often don't, don't tend to work. That's the first thing. But secondly, why waste your time? Thirdly, how many people are intro psych? 70 and then 50, 120 people. Are they all going to be in every experiment? No. How are you going to get everybody? No. You're not going to get all these people. What are you going to do? Just roll homeless guys and force them to be in your experiment? That ethics panel will go apeshit about that. <laughs> They're already a little huh. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just saying. I mean, that case would be rightfully so. You can't just go forcing homeless people to be experiments. That's <laughs> right. No yeah, no one has to know. That's right. That's, uh... Are you a student at Algoma University? Yeah, of course I am, Sonny. <laughs> yeah, because all homeless guys talk like that. Outside the 49er? It's a Star Trek reference. I don't know if anybody got that. Um, what the hell is delta? It's actually the non-centrality parameter. Good name. Um, we normally assume HO, don't we? Think about this. We assume HO. Um, we start with the assumption that HO is true. If HO is actually totally, completely true... What value do we expect for this? So what's the expected value of that? What should x bar equal if HO is true? It should equal mu, shouldn't it? Right? There should be no difference between the, 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 the alternative. There's no alternative hypothesis. It's not true. So it should, this actually, the expected value of T under HO is zero. There should be no difference. And in fact, the T tables work under that assumption that the expected value is zero, but that there's a probability of going to a certain distance, and when you get too far from zero, we say it's less than a 5% chance. So under HO, the expected value of T is zero. So in other words, how likely is it that we will find a value of delta that is greater than zero? It's basically the same. In this case, is the T formula. The T formula. You could use this for other statistical tests as well. So if you're interested, that's what the, what it is. Um, I wouldn't get too concerned about it. If that made sense to you, that's great. If it didn't, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, get too worked up. The take-home message of this whole day is that you have is doing these is important. Doing the power calculations, and it's simple to do. As you just saw, we look something up in the table. 
we, we say we want a power of 0.8 or whatever, 0.5, whatever the hell you want to use. We know we're going to use 0.05 as our alpha. We say we're going to use 0.5 as our D size. And then we literally plug things into a formula and it spits out a number of subjects we need. It's really very straightforward. The ideas behind it are really weird because we have to think backwards. We have to think about, let's pretend HA is true and how big it is. We don't know, but let's pretend it's this size and there's this much overlap. We have to do that, and that is a weird way of thinking. But the point is, with those assumptions, we can then very quickly do a, little, a quick calculation and find out how many subjects we need. And you'll see, by the way, did you see it was, it was 30? Um, there's a good reason that most, a lot of times people use like 30 observations, 30 subjects, because if there's something there, you'll find it. That's why people use that. There's a perfectly sensible reason. There's a good mathematical reason for it. On the other hand, um, if you've got a big effect, you're more likely to find it's, it goes down to like 18. Right? And for smaller effects, yeah, you're going to need more subjects. This also helps explain why for smaller effects, for things like correlations especially, you often see 60 and 70 because it's harder to find something. Then it isn't an experimental sort of setup. So correlations with like, um, in things like, you know, personality and social. Things like that. And you'll see less in something like cognition or perception because they're basic ways that humans work. So you might only see you know, 15 or 12 or 18 people, something like that, because it has more power. It inherently does, because it's everybody. everybody's perceptual system works the same way. It doesn't matter, black, white, yellow, green, what language you speak, it doesn't matter. Everybody sees roughly the same way, except for me. Questions? I know this was hard, so we can stop. Also, I got nothing else to say. Um, I think about about as much as I could take. How you been? A feeling that I can't break a mistake. I didn't inspire, but it's already been one. Let's go. Everyone knows what they know, but I don't. Life's a horror in the show, so I'm sure Maybe I'm wrong, but it's already been
podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.